0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of Marketing Management and Money. I am your host, Ryan Murray. And I am Ethan Miliori. So, today we're going to be talking about uh, like money wasters that I see a lot in small businesses. And this is something that just uh, creep is the word that not like, you know, that creep. <laughs> 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 Please come on, explain <laughs> that. we're already off to a great start no creep in the sense that uh these things kind of creep into your business and at first people don't think that they're that it's a big deal they're they're not really you know super concerned about it but when you get into a business that's been operating for a period of time and when i say period of time you know months could you know could could Really build up some, you know, some money wasters in your business. So even you know businesses that are just starting out are going to start seeing some of that creep uh, come in. And I just, I just want to kill them, you know, just like these things that that are coming in. They're they're eating away at your profitability. They're eating away at your effectiveness, your efficiencies. And and I, I just want to talk about some of the more common ones that that, that we see in small businesses.
1: And another thing I think we ought to talk about is, is how do we kill them? Because you can talk about what they are and that's easy to do. I mean, we could talk about that one for hours, but making sure that uh, you understand how to effectively kill them, because I know we'll talk about two of the most common ones tied to marketing and then tied to um, overstaffing Mm -hmm. is probably a good word to use on that one. Um, So we also want to talk about ways to kill those or effective solutions for them as well.
0: Yeah. and so let's let's start with this idea of uh overstaffing. I mean, you mentioned the two and I kind of want to hold marketing for a little bit later cuz yeah, there's it's well, a
1: big one. There's there's a lot
0: there. <laughs> but uh l- l- let's talk about this overstaffing and I and I want to put an umbrella to it if we can. And what I mean by put an umbrella to it is uh prioritization. I think uh s- starts a lot of problems, you know, when you've got the wrong priorities in your business. And then you start looking for the wrong solutions. You know, it's this idea that if I throw enough mud at the wall, something is going to stick. And I'm like, yeah. not necessarily. You might just be throwing a lot of mud, and it's just all sliding down. You know, it's not. It's not a guarantee that just because you're putting effort into it, that something is going to stick
1: there. So, so in your opinion, what are some signs that a company can say? all right, these are some signs that say that I am overstaffed. I know you talk about the mud kind of principle and I get it, mm-hmm. but what are some clear examples for an organization that they know, hey, I am overstaffed? Yeah. So there's a balance here
0: because um, you want to use your people as assets. You, you, you want to get as much work out of them as you can. But if you're overworking people, then... and, and and that's yeah you know that that's where things start to start to go south on on the you know this is a pendulum here right and so things start to go south because right at first when you're overworking someone it looks great you know they're they're kind of excited to take on a new project or that something's finally happening and they they really want to move forward but you know burnout starts to come in and burnout's not sudden it's like over time. Uh, I I actually, so one of the guys that I oversee, I, uh, I, I've been noticing the last few weeks that he's been a little off and I actually pulled him aside just the other day. And I'm just like, what's going on? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, (laughs) something's going on. What, what, what is bothering you? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I've been in a funk for about the last week. And I'm like, you've been in a funk for the last four weeks he's like, really? And, and, and I pointed out some of the things that I was seeing and, and he appreciated it because he's looking at it and he's like, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I I just, I just don't know. I'm not, I'm not super motivated and, and different things like that. But I, I think part of it is we had just done a big push and, you know, he yes. was, he was engaged in that push. He had, he'd done some great things. Uh, the previous year had been kind of a crazy year. So, you know, people were working hard. And it was just starting to catch up to him, and so anyway, that that's one thing you know. I mean, I know we're talking, you know, the 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 money waster of, of overstaffing, but but I want I want to put that caution out there to say, don't understaff or don't overwork your people, just trying to avoid this you know this issue
1: of overstaffing. So, and and can I throw in one other point that yeah, goes yeah. solid to what you're saying is that money is only a satisfier. Mm. And so and you, we've talked about this before. Yeah. And as you overwork them at some point in time, because money is only a satisfier, they're no longer satisfied. Mm-hmm. You have to have another incentive in there to do that. All right. So let's not, I won't say any more about that because we want to focus on the waster piece of this. Right.
0: So this is what I always start with. I always start and look and say, what is the capacity of all of my you know, labor force? And how well am I using this capacity? Now, I will tell you if you are using your capacity at 100%, that is a mistake. Your goal is about 80%. So, if you think about the typical 40 hour work week, which for small businesses doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, but just run with the, this 40 hour work week for a second, right? if i've got a 40 hour work week that means that i want to see my people actively producing about 32 hours a week and 8 hours i'm not worried about and 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 that's a hard concept because everyone's like no 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 you want to use the full i mean that's a full day that's just gone. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is a full day that's gone. And where does it go? It goes into administrative meetings. It goes into, they just need some downtime. It goes into, you know, whatever the case may be. And so the first thing that I'm looking at when I'm looking at wasters is I'm saying, okay, I want 32 hours. Now, I I need to put a caveat out there that if you're running, uh, you know, manufacturing, assembly, production, The the rules are different. Okay, I'm talking about managing office staff, salespeople, marketing teams, R and D teams, people that are using more of a creative capacity. uh, You know, people that are sitting at computers and doing work. uh, You know, that's that's more what this is in line for. If someone is part of a flow. Then it's whatever your flow is is set up to be. So, so please keep that in mind. That's a that's a different different equation. But in the sense of, of creative capacity, I, I'm looking at, okay, 40 hours a week. I want 32 hours of of solid work coming out of this person. And then the question is: what does that 32 hours look like? If you ask your employees, if you sit them down and you say, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about what your schedule looks like. And if they answer you, you know, if you say, well, what, what, what's your week? And they're just like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I've I, got emails that I've got to check. And then people are always, you know, calling me. And then I just, I just have things that I need to take care of. I'm like vague, 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 vague. Like what I want someone to say is, you know, I want them to say, okay, the majority of my job is in, you know, planning, making sure that, you know, I've got a plan in place that I can communicate that plan to the team and that everyone knows what they are supposed to be doing. And so I'm going to hit on Friday, I'm going to make sure that I have an action plan in place for our Monday meeting so that my team can hit Monday and they know what they're doing for the week. That's a more precise answer that's someone who actually knows what their job is and that's someone who's doing their job correctly
1: and the only way that you get to that point as a manager or as an owner is having production or project-based work and getting away from managing by the hour yes if you manage by the hour you're you're never going to move to the next level mm-hmm. you're too busy micromanaging and you're too worried about every second versus are they getting the work done and are we meeting our deadlines because I don't care how they do it as long as that's happening. Right, right. And, and so
0: if they understand what they're supposed to be doing, again, I'm looking at that capacity and I'm saying, am I utilizing their capacity? Now, there's nothing wrong with having someone who is underutilized if they're moving in that right direction. In fact, as you do, you know, whatever you're doing, as you do it more often, you're supposed to get better at it, which means that you're supposed to introduce efficiencies. So someone who... They were swamped, you know, six months ago, they should be starting to ease off six months later. And they should be like, Well, you know, that meeting that we used to have, we figured out a way to automate that. And so now we just send out a, you know, a, a weekly report and we've completely, you know, removed that meeting because we now have a report that is going to, you know, do the same thing for us. And so you should see efficiencies happening. And as as I'm looking at these project-based, I'm trying to find people that are actively improving, that are actively completing deliverables, that are, you know, making progress and and that's how I know that they're doing a good job. But overstaffing happens when you have people that are watching the clock. That's a huge one. If you ever have someone who is sitting down and you're like, "Oh, what are you doing?" "Oh, well, you know, it's it's 4:52 and so I got 8 minutes." <laughs> You know what sir you have as much time as you want cuz i just fired you. <laughs> like that that is a clear sign if you ever have anybody who is is watching the clock and and trying to get their time in then that's a clear sign that you've got the wrong person, you know. And and sometimes it's a training issue, sometimes cuz this is cultural and it's hard to break culture. You know, and and so sometimes it's a training issue, but sometimes it's their mentality. like they're they yeah. are there to collect a paycheck and and nothing more.
1: But if you establish that as the culture of your company, you'll find that whatever that culture is is going to ripple through systematically through everyone eventually because the one bad apple will eventually get to a second or a third. It may not get the whole basket, yeah, but it's going to affect a few more. So, when you when you can get away from having employees who feel like I need to be here because I'm just doing my time mm-hmm. to I want to be here because I have good projects that I'm working on, I have some flexibility when it, the production goes up, their mm-hmm. efficiency goes up. Yeah. You get yeah. you get rid of the dead lag. And or um you find that as you delegate to certain individuals, you, you learn what their capability it is because they start to have failures. And that's okay. I mean, that's one principle we teach all the time is that you need to be delegating uh to individuals so you can figure out where their breaking point is, mm-hmm. not to fire them, but to understand what that is so as projects come up, we know which ones not to delegate to.
0: Right. Because and, and there's nothing wrong with taking a project away from somebody and just be like, you're not the right
1: person for this. Yeah. And and if that's an open principle inside of your business, if that culture is established, no one's offended by projects that come and go because they mm-hmm. understand that's not the right fit for me. Yeah. Jack or Jane over here is a better fit and they're going to be more efficient. Right. And, and then we start to avoid those uh, wage losses because we have someone who's inefficiently or not as effective doing it. You know, The, the same argument that you and I make all the time is that if, if the water heater goes out of my house and a plumber comes in he's going to do it faster and more efficient. Can I do it? Sure. Yeah, I'll eventually get there by the end, the end of the day. But you know, they'll come in and do it in 4 hours half the time. They're mm-hmm. more efficient at what they do. And that's the same principle we're trying to do inside of your business is to get rid of those time wasters when it comes especially to employees that we we create a culture where we're putting the most uh qualified and skilled individuals for those tasks knowing that each each individual is unique and as each project comes along that's probably going to change on who we put on them.
0: Yeah. And so I really like that we were able to talk about, you know, project based, if, if you want to get rid of waste, and that's ultimately, you know, that's that's what we're discussing today. If you want to get rid of waste, and when we're talking about waste, cost, you know, it's a financial yes. waste, right? There are other wastes that that come into play. But looking at it from a financial perspective, if you want to get rid of it, you got to tie things to deliverables, project based you don't want time watchers clock watchers you know and so that's that that's one of the first things that i'm looking at to to make sure and i'm utilizing the the hours the capacity i understand the capacity of people so i'm going to take this a step further now and i want to talk about tying this or connecting this to the financial statements if you want to eliminate waste in your company, you need to be able to connect your people to the financial statements. And a lot of this is gonna happen on the profit and loss side, but it can happen in multiple places. You know, I mean, if someone's doing inventory management, then that's gonna be a balance sheet kind of thing. But for simplicity's sake, let's just keep it on the P&L side here, right? So when I'm looking at an employee and they're producing stuff, I wanna know what's that stuff valued at. And I need to put some value to that stuff. Is it is it a final product deliverable or is it an input that that I need along the way? And a lot of times we get confused because some of these things are hard to measure. So you know I've got someone on my team and they're doing the social media marketing for my company, and I look at it and I'm like, oh cool, look at how many posts they got out, and I'm like. Who cares how many posts they got out? That is a really crappy metric to go off of because I can sit there all day and I can just produce junk and I can just, you know, retweet whatever (laughs) was going on that day. And and it's not, there's no value there, but that's usually where, where people stop as they look at it and they're just like, oh, I just want the value of how many posts are you getting out? I'm like, no, no, no. What does this do for the PL? And posts, you know, number of posts has nothing to do with your PL. So I want to start looking to, you know, other things. And I'm like, okay, sales. Sales is a great one to link to. And so I want to know how many, you know, how many products am I actually selling through my social media channels? I want to know what is the process you know, what does that sales funnel look like? So if I've got to get someone all the way through my sales funnel and, and this is a lead generation, then I want to know what percentage of leads that are coming from social media are actually translating to a sale. And I want to compare that to other lead generation activities that I'm doing. And I want to look and see, is this all making sense? And and so I I guess what I really want to, you know, take away with this concept is to say, if you want to eliminate waste, you got to put numbers behind it. And those numbers have to link to the financials, period. There's no exception to that. It's got to link to the financials. I don't care if it links indirectly, but you got to have some
1: path from what
0: they are doing to the financial statements.
1: So from there, let's jump over to advertising. Okay. Um, Because if we go in more than that, we need to actually have probably are a, another cast just on that specifically to connect those which there we have some out there and you've yeah. done some in the past that go in specifically into that so um you, they are searchable um, to find some of those additional answers and maybe we'll we'll do an additional follow up to this one because that that is an important concept because a lot of people have a hard time tying Uh, Certain operational activities to financial statements, Mm -hmm. and the and the more you can do that, the more efficient your business runs. You can find the wasters a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So let's jump over to advertising because this is the bigger one and where people make a ton of mistakes. And and I'm always going to push that marketing decisions need to be driven dominantly by data. Yes. Yes. And and too many people don't do that. Mm -hmm. They you know. Or someone comes in and says, hey, why don't you do this? We have, a, we have a special running on advertising this month. Why don't you buy X amount of square inches or time or whatever it's going to be without really putting much more thought to it than that. And, mm-hmm. and that is a huge waste when it comes to advertising dollars. So before
0: we get too deep into this, I need to make a very big clarification. Advertisement and marketing are not the same thing. Correct. And um, when we're talking about waste, I find more waste in advertisement. That's why you know you you mentioned you're like okay, we're looking at you know advertisement and waste in advertisement. There's a lot more waste that happens in advertisement than happens in marketing, but there's waste in both. You know, and uh, and and where you want to put the data behind it, so. Here's my take on it, and, and this is kind of the the overview that I want to look at, um, and then we can we can delve into some of the nuances, some of the subtleties that are happening here. The the first thing that I'm looking at is I'm looking at okay, what is the ROI? You know, and and make it very specific. You talked about data, and that's the first data point that I'm always going to on the advertisement side of things. Now, on advertisement, it's easier to get an ROI ROI return on investment. Um, You know, it's easier to get an ROI if you're looking at advertisement marketing efforts. Sometimes it's a little bit more complicated, but, you know, so if we, if we talk about, if I'm going to put an advertisement out there, you know, whether it be, you know, something online or print, I mean, print still works. It still makes sense you know radio still makes sense it depends what business you're in what industry you're in what who your target market is but you know all of these mediums do make sense for certain businesses so if i put an advertisement out there what am i using as a gauge to tell me what my roi is and if i haven't started with that then the chances of this being a waste is huge it just it's exponential how how likely it is that this is going to be a waste because I don't even know what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just making crap up and hoping I get
1: lucky. So, what is your rule of thumb for someone who has a marketing budget? Um, of course, we want, you know, like I said, a dominant portion tied to a very focused target market. We have data, we're driven by mm-hmm. demographics, we're, we know who we're going after. Um, versus, you know, a, there's a piece of it that maybe we're just trying to find. Uh, new new markets, new customers, things like that. What is your rule of thumb when it comes to what 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 can I not afford to mess up and what can I gamble with per se? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so me,
0: I, I'm going to default to the 80-20 rule. So 80% of my marketing budget needs to be tried and true, stuff that I know is going to work, stuff that I'm very confident in. 20% can be new random stuff, taking a gamble, seeing what happens, you know, and you, you have to have both. Like you can't, you know, you, you do emphasize you personally, you emphasize how important data is when you're looking at marketing. And I totally agree, but it's not the only option. And so I like to do that 80, 20, that's a four to one ratio. So that's saying that if I'm going to spend you know, $10,000, uh, you know, on marketing, then $8,000 needs to be spent on something that I know what I'm going to get. And, and I need to experiment with $2,000 because I got to try new things. I got to figure new things out and, and make sure that, that they're making sense. And so what I mean by, by stuff that's tried and true, anything that, that I've already done, that already has, you know, has, uh, results behind it, that I can get data from, you know, those are going to be tried and true. Uh, Things that if I'm just starting out and I don't have a lot of history, then I'm going after industry standards. You know, if everyone in the industry is engaged in a certain type of, you know, of marketing effort, I I look at real estate, for example, and I'm not trying to, you know, dog on anyone who's a realtor, (laughs) (laughs) but this is a great example Everyone who's a realtor tries to set themselves apart, and ninety percent of realtors are cookie cutter. They right they, they they do the exact same thing to list your house. They've got their website that they're going to put it on. They've got whatever website in the area people go to to find houses. They're always going to slap a, a yard sign up. You know, some of them are going to make it a little bit nicer, but you know, it's going to be the same thing. And, you know, they're going to kick off with an open house. Like the way that you market to sell a house is pretty straightforward. And so if I was a realtor, I'd be saying, yeah, I need, to, I need to spend my time and my money on those areas. But then what about that 20%? What can I do that's a little bit creative? You know, you don't hear a lot of radio ads for, you know, houses for sale. Try it try it and see what happens take a little bit of money you know just buy a $500 spot well i guess it depends if if you're in a small community <laughs> $500 spot if you're in a bigger community it's probably more you know like a $2000 or $3000 spot but still you know pick up a spot and uh, and just just kind of see what happens and, and and then track the ROI on that so th- that's that's what i'm looking at my rule of thumb 80 20 you know 80% is what everyone else is doing what i know works and do not flip-flop that you know if i'm a realtor and i'm spending 80% of my budget on radio ads i'm i'm losing like that's that's too far out there too hairbrained
1: and and the nice thing about effective marketing campaigns we can easily track those back to your financial statements mm. we we can see what what that money is doing or not doing and we also know uh, that the tried and true methods will always bring us a return. That's why. That's why I like your rule of the eighty twenty is because eighty percent of it we know that our cells are not going to dip because we've invested in what will bring us that return to keep our cells where they're currently at or higher. Why we experiment with a few other things to to see if we can raise that bar um, and increase those cells.
0: Yeah. So I, I want to, and and we're going to wrap up here. That I mean there's, there's a lot of different wasters. And and so I'm going to wrap up with two thoughts. The first one is to just say, we're only talking about, we're scratching the surface. You know, we're only talking about a couple items that are are big, you know, time and money wasters. Uh, You need to do inventory in your business, in your personal business. You need to look and see, and if you want to know where you're wasting money, just talk to your employees and find out where their pain points are, where their frustrations are. If someone's frustrated, there's, there's money that's being wasted there. You know, people don't get frustrated over systems that work really well. They get frustrated over things that are broken. They get frustrated when they're having to deal with something that, you know, has no benefit to the company and it just sucked four hours out of their day, you know? And so, so if you want to know where time wasters are, just start talking to the employees, ask them where their frustrations are. I guarantee and I keep saying time wasters, but I I should be clarifying money. But I guarantee that you're losing money if uh, you know if, if there's frustration there. But the the, the second thing that I want to talk about, and this is the you know kind of I'm going to use advertisement, but this can translate to manufacturing. This can translate to you know the financial accounting, you know whatever. It's chasing the sexy, right? When when you get into advertisement, someone's going to knock on your door and they're going to tell you that, "Oh my gosh, we have fifty thousand people that are going to see your ad, and if you only get one percent of those, think of all the oh, just,
1: you know." That's right up there with fake customers. From
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> but but I like you know, it's like five million cars pass this billboard every single day. I'm like,
1: yay. But is it your target market? Does it fit with who you're trying to attract? Yeah.
0: And, and, and so what happens is we're we're all humans. We all get sucked into the sexy, you know, big claims. We want big returns, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 it's this idea of it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just make all my money. And 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 I would I would relate this to kind of a, a basketball game. Like how many points are scored with basic layups? versus how many points are scored with half court shots. You know, Like a half court shot? Sure. It's won a lot of games. And those are pretty exciting games when all of a sudden someone just hucks that ball and it's a buzzer shot and everyone's cheering. Like that's sexy. That's exciting. But it was all of the 40 layups that they did that made that half court shot possible. And so as a business, man, just don't get sucked into the sexy you you, business is made. Money is made on boring things, very repetitive, boring things make all your money. And and so if you're, if you're wasting a lot of time chasing the sexy, you know, you read the new book and it tells you about this great new idea. And I'm like, "Ah, that's fine. You know, keep your mind open to new ideas. But
1: figure how to make it work within that 20% that you can gamble with. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to experiment with that. Great. But don't dip into your larger marketing campaign funds to do it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Yeah. And, And like I said, we're using
0: advertisement as the, you know, as kind of the example here, but you could do the same thing with manufacturing. If, if you're, you know, if you've got a product that you're like, oh my gosh, if this works, we'll be multi-billionaires. And I'm like, yeah, but if it fails, then what, you know, and if it's a long shot, don't dump all your resources into it, you know, stay smart, have a little bit of patience, have some discipline you know, and 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 keep that balance. There's nothing wrong with doing these things. This is how great businesses are made. They take risks, but they take calculated, educated risks.
1: All right. So in wrapping up, we've talked about the two most common ones. I also want to just, you know, look back into your business. There's lots of other areas where money wasters exist, you know, not collecting accounts receivables, uh, uh, too much of an expense budget for things like lunches and drinks for everybody. Uh, I mean those add up. I mean, there's lots of little places like that that mm-hmm. you can clean up if you'll just start looking back and to find out where they are um and then find because a lot of times we, we use what we think are incentives that are not really incentives and they're just money wasters. so mm-hmm. if you find the appropriate incentives, if you want to you know, uh, push things towards your employees to keep them happy and productive to do that one, um but certainly, I guarantee you right now, if you go and look at your business, you're going to find something on overstaffing or staffing in general and uh, marketing slash advertising that they're, you're going to be able to clean up. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone.